So hi, welcome to Gnoids Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... Kaylee Goldsworthy. And we're asking her some questions today about her new album, Learning to Be Happy. So congrats on that, by the way. How do you feel about the response so far? I'm really, really happy. I feel like everybody's been so supportive and lovely. And uh, someone called it a 10-song pep talk. And that made me feel Aww. really good. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. I was like, I like that. I think I'll take that one. Oh yeah. In my pocket. Um sure. listen through the album today. It's super cool. I really enjoy it like front to back. It For doesn't sure. slow down. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> Track listing was hard. It was definitely a challenge to try to figure out how to organize the record. We got but, a question uh, about that later on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't spoil it. Yeah. Don't spoil it. <laughs> okay, perfect. I'll just I'll just shut up then. <laughs> um <laughs> But is there any meaning behind the album title or cover art? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the album title, basically at first, the record was just going to be a four-song EP. Um, and I got in the studio on January 2nd, 2020. I thought, okay, I'm going to make a four-song EP. One of my favorite things to do is to talk about the complexities of heartbreak and breakups and altered relationships as we become adults. Uh, you know, we have to think about ex-partners but also ex-friends ex-family members as we get older especially with everything that's been going on in the world like relationships change and one of the things that I've always been enamored with is the idea of moving on from that and how like truly complex that actually is so this the record itself was just going to be four songs about kind of that navigating those relationships as we get older and then the pandemic happened and then I realized that in that, like inadvertently I've created this kind of weird story arc where all I'm kind of doing in the writing of this record was like analyzing how to find the silver lining and everything and how to deal with such heavy emotions and and heavy situations but but approach them with a a more optimistic perspective at least that was my goal yeah uh and so that's kind of where the record title came from was from a song happy again that is uh the first handful of tracks. And that was one of the original songs that was going to be on the EP, but there was just something that struck me about that line. I'm learning to be happy again, that I was just like, that kind of is like the moral of the story of this record. And yeah. then um, at first for the album artwork, I had worked on a really, I used to be a prop stylist uh, when I lived in Manhattan. So like, I love experimenting in photo studios and I worked with Tom May from the Menzingers and we like built this amazing sculpture of, lemons and sunflowers and crystals and dry ice and I was like I just want to create this like world of like happy things sad things but also like you know my tour outfit is this purple color what goes good with purple it would be yellow like let's play around with color let's play around with texture and then my label was like you need to be on the cover of this (laughs) and I was like no (laughs) I, I hate photos of me but I also understood the reason behind it and I was like look I I hate, I get it. I understand it. I'm into it if it's the right photo. Mm-hmm. And the photo that we actually picked was like, an, was a complete outtake, a candid shot. I was like talking Aww. to Tom and I was like, this is actually a really nice photo because at, in the album artwork itself, it's all very sparse. I just really wanted to create, like, I know this sounds like super new agey, but I just wanted to create a vibe. I just wanted to create like a comfortable place to land with your eyes when you're listening to the record. And so I just wanted something to be kind of soft and, and emotive 
for the artwork. And it definitely comes through the the artwork very like matches the the the, the songs very well. And I don't I, like Thank I don't you. say that about every single album we talk about, and it's like it just kind of comes through in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. Um, and since, like you said, that like obviously you didn't want to be on the cover art, did it take multiple photo shoots or was it just the one for you to like get the picture? We did well. We did the one shoot beforehand where that was all the like things, and mm-hmm. then afterwards I was like, okay, let's just do one more and let's just go for let's go for portraits. So that was the second shoot that we did. But also, I had never seen an episode of Euphoria. <laughs> Oh, (laughs) when I shot that album cover and I was like, what is up? I am channeling something I did not even know existed. I was like, let's put rhinestones on Mm -hmm. because I just wanted it to the the I wanted to capture the essence of that still life that we had had with all different kinds of like shimmering objects, uh, like the bisexual lighting of the the red and the blue. Like I, I love that so much. So I was like, I really want it to be kind of polarizing, but also kind of mesmerizing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and and then, yeah, the... we just got it in that one, in that one shoot. Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh, that's all good. And will the original photo shoot, will that cover ever see the light of day? The statue? Probably that you not. Oh. Probably not, but maybe I'll tease something or maybe I'll use it as some like single artwork down the line. Yeah, I like it. But now that the album has grown into what, like once I heard it finished, I was like, yes, this is the actual cover. But if I feel as though that like lends itself to something down the line, I definitely like that was the inspiration point that led to that. So mm-hmm. I'm also very happy with like the discovery of that to that point, but yeah. possibly. Yeah. I'll never say never. I really like that. It's, I mean, it is in absurdly insane if you look at it by itself you're like what crazy high person just made this mountain of things and then added dry ice to it uh so can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album sure um well half of it was before the pandemic started so i was definitely in a different place um where i was just kind of like operating kind of as we all had been operating pre-pandemic, like just kind of twiddling our thumbs, doing our thing the way we always did before. And then when the pandemic hit, I kind of like shut down for about six months because I didn't quite understand where I fit in to like all of these huge issues, social justice issues, equality issues, health issues and I was like nobody needs songs about heartbreak and like finding the fun in that like Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of where I always you know I'm not I can allude to political things but I'm not like a Bob Dylan style songwriter I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna and also I don't think that any white person needs to be speaking up during this time like it's just you know it, it, it felt so icky to me, even when I saw people doing that, like having songs about everything. And I was like, I think it's my time to just like shut up and listen and learn to become a better ally to all of my people in my life and around us. And also, I think it was from that that I then started to like find community online in Twitch. And I started a little TV show where I talked to my friends about the pandemic. And that's when I started to kind of like see how important having an outlet for all of the other feelings that we have 
outside of that. And then once I started feeling like it was appropriate to start expressing myself in that way, again, I started writing, but it was, it was definitely, it changed. I think that the pandemic changed the way I'm going to write forever because it was definitely like a, Oh, I, I do understand where my place is in this. And my place is to take people away from all of that stuff that having something take you away from that. Like, that's the reason why the Kardashians are famous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because we all need, yeah, we need <laughs> something to focus on. That's not the hellscape, even if it's a completely different hellscape. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, and by the way, I'm not comparing myself to the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> not in the slightest. But I, I did find, like, you know, I, I, for a long time, I was always reading nonfiction books. Now I found that I love rom-com books. And I'm like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's no shame in finding whatever it is that just makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And, and so I learned that, fi- like, finding my voice in, in, talking about heartbreak and making it funny and, and trying to like poke fun at ourselves is still a very necessary art form. And once we all kind of digested the new world that we're going to be living in forever, I think that's when I was like, okay, now I can get back to this, but I definitely have a different perspective on how I'm going to approach it. That makes sense. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you figured it out. I mean, did I, I, I'm figuring it out. You're figuring work in okay. progress. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's definitely, yeah, always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what song off the album took the longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? The song that took the longest to write was call your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started that song probably three or four years ago. Um, and I like that song a lot because a lot of people don't know what it's really about. And then even when I tell them, they're like, oh, okay. And, and so like, I don't want to get too specific about it all because I kind of like when art can lend itself to different interpretations. But mm-hmm. um, to me, the song is like in response to all of the injustices happening in the world, primarily around gun violence and how, it's absolutely absurd that anything that we could do in our life could be the last thing that we do because mm-hmm. of people who, I don't know. I can't even explain what yeah. kinds of people these are. Um, but I also understand for some people, it's kind of become like a, a an estranged relationship situation where you're reaching out to different people in your life. But I, I just it took a long time for me to figure out how to write a song like that because I was always writing for me, at least has always been something that like, I can, I can finally write a song about it once I've processed it. Mm -hmm. And these things are things that I can't fully process. I don't know that I'll ever fully be able to process what is going on in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took a long time to finish the song just because I was like, I don't, I, and, and it wasn't, you know, will, uh, Yip, who produced the record, kind of helped me, like just be like, "No, it's done." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "But wait, are we sure?" Like, I, like there's not even like there's a chorus, but then it just kind of like continues to trail off. And he was like, "No, I think that that's how the song should be. Like how slowly, like a, it just starts with you and the guitar, and then there's just like this drone, and then there's the drums, and then it just ends. And that's kind of it's because it's linear, and it's not there's not a happy ending. There's nothing. It just continues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the one that." Well, that's definitely the one that took the longest. Um, I think my personal favorite mm-hmm. 
uh, is your good because I love anything that I can incorporate the that thing you do beat into that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like that is my favorite thing in the whole wide world, mm-hmm. but also little ghosts because I wrote it the day before I got into the studio for the last day. And I was like, yo, Will, I have the last song for the record. You've never heard it before. And I'm going to ask if I can record this live and have a live recording of it be on the record. Oh, wow. And he was just like, sure. And then I was like, okay. And so he's like, I'm going to hit record. And this is the first time I hear the song. So this is also going to be like, whether or not I tell you if it's going to be. On <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it turned out like he loved it the same way that I did. And I, I was just like, I felt really, um, I felt like I needed to kind of write like an epitaph to the record and little ghosts definitely kind of felt like the perfect bookend to this record. It kind of calls back a lot of the feelings and a lot of the, uh, emotions that the, the record had held so I, I like that one the most and it also came together just so incredibly fast that yeah. that's one of those things where sometimes as a songwriter you're like did I just catch that from like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it felt very much like that hell yeah that's good um so how the trackless film come about did you write the opener be the opener close it be a closer just shuffle around see what fits what was that process like yeah so one day Will and I sat down at lunch and he was like, okay, these are the songs that I feel like there's a side A and a side B. And you tell me which one goes on which side, but like these four or these five need to go on one side and these five, like he gave me pairs. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so I don't even remember what they are anymore, but it was just like over ambitious and happy again, can't go on the same side, mm-hmm. uh, whatever and whatever. So like he gave me five pairs and then because that's part of track listing is obviously musically wanting to make sure that all of it feels like it's got a build or it's got some sort of story arc to it. And then also lyrically, I was like, okay, well, for sure, I need Boomerang to go before you're good. I need Overambitious to go early on in the record because I think that that kind of like to me, side A of the record is like, here are my feelings. And then <laughs> side B is like, this is how we're going to get out of it, you know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked with Will where he was like, musically, this makes sense. Okay, cool. And I was like, okay, now thematically, this is how I want it to look. So yeah. we did it over lunch one day and we basically had like a list and then I just drew lines and I was like, okay, here, 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 here. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, well, what if we shuffle this? And I'm like, okay, cool. And then, And then I think we... Once I heard uh, Losing My Mind, like, mastered, I was like, yo, this is track one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's nothing cooler than uh, just that opening guitar chord riff. Like, it reminded me of Jimmy World in the best way. And I was like, yep, this is the one. Just got to open yeah. with this. Hell yeah. For sure. Perfect. Uh, so would you be able to tell us where your headspace is at, where you're creating this record? I know you went into it a little bit in the beginning, but if you could go a bit more in depth, that would be perfect. Sure. Um, my headspace was very depressed, <laughs> very depressed, very anxious, uh, very uncertain. Um, I just finished touring my ass off in 2019. I toured with like Bayside, Dave Hawes, uh, Frank Iero, and then I finished out opening solo for Frank Turner. And I was like ready Jeez. to take on 2020. I was wow. like, yes, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to go. And then everything happened and it, you know, I had just gotten my first booking agent and then I was like, I'm not sure that I'm going to have one after this whole thing happens Yeah. Uh, because I just don't know what, like, 
you know, it was hard for everyone. The pandemic was hard for everyone. I'm not trying to like make a, a victim of myself in this situation, but it was exceptionally hopeless for an unsigned artist mm-hmm. <laughs> that had yeah. just been making just enough progress. You know, I felt bad for people who who were just getting going in the music industry. Like mm-hmm. we were the ones that were really kind of like fucked yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it was just like, the world has ended. We don't have anybody who's helping us try and book shows on the other mm-hmm. side of this. We're still kind of like when when venues open back up again, will these small mom and pop venues that we used to have our local shows at, will those even be open? Yeah. Um, so it was a really hopeless place. And then, like I said, on top of all of the the social and economic and just crazy injustices happening in the world, I was just like, yep, I don't, I'm just gonna adjust. I'm gonna adopt a dog and learn how to play video games for a little while and Fair that's enough. kind of like where I was at yeah it was tough it was my headspace was not great for a long period of time but then like I said when I kind of came out of that was I felt newly inspired to like approach these feelings with more kindness and more empathy I think sometimes earlier on in my work I feel like I would like to be a little more spiteful and I would like to be a little more angsty and now I'm just like at a point in my life and in my career where I'm like, yo, let's just be soft and mm-hmm. let's just yeah. be kind to ourselves and to everybody else. We're all fighting different battles. And so um, even when I'm on tour, like I love to talk, I love to talk and I love to make people laugh. And so here I am like singing these really sad songs, but then like, I just want to do like a stand up routine in between the songs. And I like to think that like, the songs are that place in your life. You can always go back to, you can always feel those things, but like me performing them, I'm the friend five years later going, remember how dumb we were? Like that was ridiculous. We did that stupid thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like to approach all of those like hard feelings with compassion and then the inevitable humor of just life is clumsy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you can't laugh at it, what else are we going to do? Like, Mm -hmm. we're at a point like, hi, look out the window, the world is on fire. What else are we going to do if we can't learn to laugh at silly things that happen? Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, So how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? Should they do it in the car with friends and talk with headphones on? Is it a workout album, party album? What do you personally recommend? Personally, I think... Wow. I've never thought about this. (laughs) I think that this record would be a great driving record if you were doing a solo trip. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would love to think that people could like listen to this with their friends, but I also think that uh, sometimes you got to get in your feels by yourself a little bit, and then you can share it with your friends. And I kind of feel like that's where this is at. This, this record to me has been kind of like a we don't talk about feelings enough. Let's talk about our feelings record. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, when I was listening to the mixes and when I was listening to the track listing, I was just kind of like laying down in the dark with some incense and just kind of like creating my vibe with my little, uh, galaxy light on my ceiling. And (laughs) I actually created, it's funny. I created a lyric video for keep the light on before we did the actual video. And it's just my dog asleep on my bed with like a galaxy light going and a light from underneath my door. And that is when I was like at my peak depression, I would just lay on my bedroom floor with that and seeing the light come from under the door. And I was like, this is the vibe. This is it. (laughs) 
I probably need to make that video public because I shared it with my Patreon, but it's pretty freaking cute. Yeah, um, please. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of, that's, I, I think it's a, it's like a very insular solo experience, listening experience for at least the first time. But then mm-hmm. there's some songs that I'm really proud of that are like pretty up-tempo, pretty happy, pretty, you know, even if it deals with some like heavy emotional stuff, I I like to make light of it. So nice. that's the goal. Oh yeah. Perfect. Uh, so this one should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words. No more, no less. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> no, real quick. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, how about mm-hmm. three words? Do they have to make sense or can it just nope. be three words? It could just be three random words. Yeah. Uh, happy, sad, hopeful. There you go. There you go. Good job. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so in that same train of thought not as much pressure though i promise is there a certain feeling or emotion you want listeners to have while going through the album honestly i i i really hope that people can feel uh hope in this record or at least like some kind of um like lightness with themselves like keep the light on is a really good track that kind of helped ground me in all of this it's like being kind to yourself and and being like a good friend to you and that is like a big backbone of this record is like yeah you you have to deal with some shitty stuff but like also make sure that you're just being good to yourself and learning to be happy like i think sometimes people think that that's such a such a mountainous question and and it is if someone was to be like if i were just to ask you both be like what is what does it mean to be happy? But like, I don't know. This is this exactly. is my podcast. I'm not answering it. How yeah. Are you, yeah, yeah. Like it's, that's not an easy question. And but then at the same time, it really can just be as simple as like, look, if you had no responsibility for the rest of the night, like what would you do? It could just be laying down on the couch and watching the Kardashians. You know, it could be petting your dog. It could just be like whatever it is like and that's totally cool and totally okay and the second I started allowing myself to just like have those little tiny bits of happiness in my life I was like oh right this is what this is what it's all about yeah that makes sense yeah that's good good. so wholesome it really is god (laughs) yeah so what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this album oh wow um I think while making the record, I got to work with Will. And the second that we decided we were going to do the record from memory um, and I was going to go in and record more songs was the second that Will and I decided we were just going to do it, the two of us. And so everything on six of the 10 songs is just him and me playing everything. Um, And so I think we made a really killer two piece band. And I think that, that memory of just like clicking with someone musically and mm-hmm. and being able to kind of like work through these songs together so seamlessly, like he saw the vision I had and it was just like such a cool musical moment to have. Uh, so I think that's definitely my favorite part of the record. That's so cool. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was so rad. When someone gets it, it's just sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know you literally just finished up tour, but for this question, you're back on tour. You're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Chex Mix. What flavor? I just, oh, traditional. Traditional? 
yes, but just fuck the pretzels right off. Just take them <gasps> out of there. I don't want them. If you want pretzels, eat pretzels. All right. This has been but a great like, 20 minute conversation, but we're cutting this off here. I'm in Get distress that, yeah. now. What the I was fuck? having a great time, and now Wait, you, you, just, like you insulted me. I you love like those pretzels. But see, okay, no, this is good. See, again, this is all about the change in perspective because now you can have all of the pretzels in my Chex Mix. True. I want to tour with you now. <laughs> Just oh, you too? You're a pretzel guy? I am a pretzel kind of guy, yeah. Uh, I don't know, they, man. They just hit different in the bag. All the other bagged pretzels, they're sometimes like too hard, too crunchy, but those are oh, just like, okay. they're perfect. See, maybe this know? is because I'm just not a pretzel craving kind of person. So mm. I wouldn't even be able to, to like, you. sounds like you are a pretzel connoisseur. So mm. I'd, I, I'd like okay. to think so. Glory, I apologize. Let's leave the pretzels in the bag. They're perfect just the way they are. <laughs> or just, you could just give them to me. It's fine. I'll just give them to That's, you. Chex Mix and Dye a Mountain Dew. I'm ooh. a trash person. No, right. no, you have taste. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very strange taste, but yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so on the topic of food, if the project was a dish, what dish would the project be? Oh, wow. I think it would be, okay, it's a tie. It's a tie between a big bowl of mashed potatoes, <laughs> just yeah. the most comforting thing in the world, mm-hmm. or ramen. Ooh. comfort foods it makes yeah. sense warm yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. warm yeah. comforting um easily digestible mm-hmm. i kind of like mashed potatoes there's a big old bowl of mashed potatoes all right yeah Sounds i good. love that but maybe ramen because it's got different there's a there's different stuff in there mashed how about you mix the two part. together oh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that but we can just try it why not sure Look at that. Okay. Mashed potato ramen. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> um, so for the last couple of questions, we're going to shift completely away from music and go straight to death row. Okay. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Um, it would be the Yasai Shoyu ramen from 210 Jack in Nashville. It's a vegetarian ramen. I would add an egg to that along with chili oil and I would have their draft sake. And that is my favorite meal of all time. Oh my God. That sounds so good. I could eat that right now. Yeah. Have you guys ever eaten at 210 Jack in Nashville? They also have one in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is the best ramen. And I actually took my boyfriend to our first date there and he had just gotten home from japan i am wow. an idiot but he loved it and i was like <laughs> okay good. so it is good ramen okay good yeah, yeah. never been never been to tennessee so Oof. okay well, i've been to tennessee i have been to tennessee i have not been there but i feel like i have to go now because that just sounds delicious absolutely i i like chattanooga better than nashville personally but Ooh. there's one in each spot so you can just you know oh it's the best Perfect. Oh, yeah. Final <laughs> final answer. Now I just Locked want it in. really bad. Yep. Oh. Uh, so if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? Harry Potter land. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love magic. I just want to be around magic. You sound scared when you said that. Yeah, it sounded like because, a question. Because also Harry Potter land to me sounds like a very crowded theme park. <laughs> which i do not want to live in for a week but if i could actually go to hogwarts i feel like Mm. i'd probably be pumped on that what house are you do you know i feel like i'm a ravenclaw 
yeah deep in my soul are, do you also feel that way or are you also a ravenclaw oh no i i feel that that makes sense to that makes I'm sense i'm just nodding okay. my head i have no idea okay what are you what house are you uh, i'm a hufflepuff oh that also okay that makes sense too thank you Corey, what house am i uh you're shane confuses me i don't know if he's like a, a slytherin or a ravenclaw but he's probably just a gryffindor he's yeah okay griffin i give you gryffindor Thank okay. you. Gryffindor. The sorting hat has sorted me. Um, so I've done a vesting last question, and every single person that we've spoken to has said that it is the most important question. Okay. What's your favorite color? Changes. Currently purple. Ooh. Light, right. light purple. That's my that's my my jam right now. As it it's should good be. color. It's a good oh one. yeah. Yeah. Ever since I started making this record, that's like I just saw that color, and I was like, that is it. Oh. And now it's like my phone, my background, everything. Thank mm-hmm. God I, I, I'm not allowed to paint my bedroom anymore. <laughs> it's like purple. purple. Let's go. Wait, so is the album, like when you listen to the album, is it purple for you or is that color just with you for this album? So I really liked that color, I think is just with me for this album, but I really liked like my suit. I had a suit made from this awesome my friend Hillary goes by Rowdy Calic made this amazing blazer and hot pants that's completely embroidered and rhinestone and amazing. And it's lilac, like beautiful lavender color. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I did the photo shoot, I liked the idea of getting purple by just having a harsh red and a harsh blue. Yeah. So like having that spectrum is kind of like how I see, how I see it all. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Very cool. It um, was really, I actually had a great time like doing the visuals for this record as well. It was really, really fun. That's they came good. out sick. They came out they really cool. did. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so as I said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Sure. I mean, please check out my, my new record, Learning to Be Happy. I have three awesome vinyl variants uh, that are available through my label. And I think I have that linked on my website as well. Um, and then just stay tuned because I'm not, I'm not done touring yet, but I'm taking the summer off. All right. Good. Deserve it. Um, Well, thank you for now. This has been Kaylee Goldsworthy, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast.